Welcome to Trailhead. Thanks for uh, braving the elements to come out. Uh, We have been texting madly back and forth for the last 48 hours trying to figure out what to do about services. We ended up canceling last night, uh, and the roads were like perfect. And uh, that's what happens, right? And they were like, oh yeah, we'll be good for tomorrow. And then of course it's super slick. And so you guys, thanks for coming out and thanks for being safe. Um, My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor. I want to welcome you this morning. And uh, I want to let you know uh, about a couple of important things coming up before we jump in. The first is our Trailhead United service um, in two weeks, not next week, but the week after, the last Sunday of January, we are having our Trailhead United service where we will be able to have all of our people in a single space for a single service. That's kind of a big deal for us. We've been a a multi-service church since we launched, and, and it really is special when we have those opportunities to get everybody together into a single space where we can uh, worship together. And so we're going to be over at Edwardsville High School in their auditorium uh, the last Sunday of January. Okay, so there won't be a Saturday night service, and there will be a single Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. Okay, so that's not next week, but the week after. Okay, so just mark your calendar. We'll keep pushing out the information, right? But if you show up here on that Sunday, you will be alone with the others who showed up here mistakenly, right? There will be a sign on the door, and it's not very far. So you'll be able to redirect and get over there as long as you're not showing up uh, for the 1045 service. All right. Um, Secondly, our Saturday night service, um, we launched that last September. It's been a, a a good success. I mean, we gained some good traction, had a lot of people coming out to it. Um, we're learning, right? We're learning as we go. It's our first attempt at, at doing a two-day thing. And um, one of the things that we started getting was some feedback on uh, the time, that the six o'clock time was a hindrance to many of our families because it was too late uh, for people with kids. And so um, next week is our last Saturday night service at 6 p.m., Uh, The following week is Trailhead United. There won't be a Saturday night service, but starting the first Saturday in February, we're moving it to five o'clock. So if you are a Saturday night person or if you're interested in coming to Saturday night, I wanted to let you know that starting the first Saturday in February, it'll be a five o'clock service instead of a six o'clock service in order to get our families out in time uh, so that they can still do dinner with their kids or or bedtime routines or or whatever. Uh, It also frees up a little bit more time in the evening for your evening activities on Saturday night, okay? We'll keep pushing that information out. Um, All right, so we're going to go over to Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend the next three weeks in Romans 8, 1 through 8. If you don't have a Bible, uh, grab one off the chairs around you. In our Bibles, you're going over to page 947, 947. Um, And while you're flipping over there, let me just wish you, uh, you may not know it, but but, uh, happy anniversary. Um, today is eight years. This is uh, eight years ago on the second Sunday of January, Trailhead Church launched. And so I never know whether to call it anniversary or a birthday or a birth anniversary or an Anna day or I can keep going until I get a response. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so today is eight years. Uh, It's been a crazy, crazy eight years. Um, In church planting years, um, I'm now into my second lifetime. I'm definitely a senior citizen. It's like dog years, right? Every year is like seven years. Um, Sometimes it feels like yesterday. Sometimes it feels like um, 
a lifetime ago. It's been an incredible journey. Uh, I was reflecting in the early days um, what it was like, and, and you know, it really wasn't that long ago. In fact, some of you in this room were there um, in those early days, and everybody did everything, right? We, when we started out over at, we were in a side room over at New Song in the very beginning, um, and, and we would set up, and we would do our worship service, and then we would hang out, and, 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 and everybody would go back to my house, and, and then um, we moved over to the bank space, and, and um, everybody did everything. Everybody, you know, if something needed to be done, everybody showed up and did it. It was, it was like a big family. It was a lot of work. It was hard. Um, doing, you know, starting something is, is just hard. It's a lot of work. Um, but it's a lot of fun. And, and the reality is there are deep, deep ties uh, among those people that were there during that season. Um, I had no idea. Um, I had no idea, but, but some of my closest friends came from that season of just doing a hard thing together, being in the trenches, um, fighting, laboring, sacrificing, um, going through the stress of having a three-month renewable lease that could be uh, eliminated any 30-day window where you're like constantly worrying, you know, if, this, if we get booted out, where am I going to take, you know, where, you know, I mean, just kind of navigating all those waters. I had no idea that some of my key leaders were going to come out of that season, that during that season, some of those people that were helping me set up chairs were actually going to become elders in the church, um, that, that some of those leaders who were, were um, helping me navigate were going to become um, some community group leaders and, um, and other key leaders in the church. Um, and it was a time where we dreamed a lot about what God would do, right? Where we looked forward and, and um, when, you're, when you're doing set up and tear down, your dream is, oh man, can you just wait till we have a building? Um, when you're serving on every team, you're, you're like, oh man, can you just wait till we have some more people and, and everybody's serving in different ways? And, and here's the thing, you flash forward and um, man, we've, we've seen a lot over the last eight years. Um, We've sent out two church planters. We've partnered financially and practically with half a dozen others. We have sent people around the world, hundred, uh, uh, I don't even know how many people, uh, around the world um, on short-term and long-term mission. We, we have invested in local partnerships. We have developed, we have seen people um, blessed and impacted by the love of God. It has been an incredible journey. You flash forward to today and man, we've grown by hundreds, right? We bought and renovated our own building. Um, and, uh, and we actually have a handful of people on staff. That's huge. Um, instead of just being the only guy showing up for the staff meeting, uh, asking myself what I want to talk about today, um, like we actually have staff meetings because there's actually uh, people. We've grown. Um, and that growth has solved a lot of problems. We don't have a lot of the problems we used to have, but it's created new problems. These are the kind of problems that we call good problems. But they're still problems, right? Good problems still need to be solved. And one of the good problems that we have is that we have a lot of people, um, and we haven't, while we've grown in the number of people, we haven't at the same rate grown in the number of servants. We have a lot of people attending, um, and we need more people serving. And I'm just going to be really upfront, if y'all are cool with that. Um, I'm going to be really upfront. We need more people serving, okay? Uh, we have grown, and one of the good problems that comes from growing is, is that you need more people serving. I don't know if you realize this, but we have almost 100 kids every week that we serve. That takes a lot of volunteers. Um, our kids team is the largest and most complicated team, um, and uh, it, it, it takes like a ton of people 
to, to um, like our goal down there isn't just to, to avoid murder, right? Um, our goal down there is to actually do gospel ministry with children, right? We're not doing spiritual babysitting. We, we, are, we are investing in the lives of those children, even those that are with the infants, right, are praying over those children and, and are gospel ministers in that space to those kids, which is why we're all wearing our, our trailhead kids. We're sporting them today just to kind of highlight this team. And um, it is our largest and most complicated team. But here's the thing. Many of our teams, including our trailhead kids teams, are running on skeleton crews. Skeleton crews um, are generally made up of some of the most faithful servants you have in the church, people that are willing to show up when no one else will show up and take more weight than anyone else will take and, and will take more reps than they intended to take because there are gaps that need to be filled because there are kids that need to be served or, or people that need to be blessed. We have new people showing up at the church that want to be engaged by the gospel, and that means we need to create a safe and engaging place for their, their kids, right? Now, this is just one of many teams. Um, and here's the thing, I want our faithful servants to be honored. I don't want them to become sacrificial servants. <laughs> I don't want anybody sacrificed. I don't want anybody to die in order for other people to be served. But that's, that's generally what happens when 20% work to serve the 80%, which is the typical. In fact, it's actually trending. It's closer to the, to the 1585 on a national level. Uh, we have a consumer culture. People like to show up and be served. People like to show up and have an event or have a restaurant or have a thing, and, and then they consume it and they critique it and they go home and they write a review about it, right? Right? Send that through. And, and here's the thing. We don't need consumers. We need contributors, right? We need people to be part of the team. So I'm going to be really, really, really clear. Over the next three weeks, we're doing this sermon series called Serve, and we're going to be talking about the need for people to serve. Let me, let me just touch this. Don't worry. I'm not going to guilt trip you. That's not what we do here, okay? I'm not going to lay guilt on you every single week. I'm not going to shame you. Um, that's, that, that is uh, not gospel motivation, and it's not what we do. Um, I am going to reason with you, and I am going to invite you to serve because it is part of the heart of our discipleship model, right? Our discipleship model we call the three Gs, and, and I'm not going to go into super depth of it. It's super simple. God moves toward us in grace, right? When God moves, his justice meets his mercy, and it's extended to us in grace, and we receive that grace by faith, and we respond, and it produces within us a gratitude. Gratitude is when we take joy in the gift, and we're humbled by the giver, and we genuinely have a birth of gratitude toward God's grace, and that gratitude is like an energy that propels us into growth, and growth is what happens when we move into those uncomfortable and difficult spaces we generally wouldn't go on our own. We start doing things we wouldn't have done. We stop doing things we, we wanted to do, but realize now they're not healthy or good or, 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 or honoring God, right? Or, or we, we become generous in ways that, that, that stretch us. And when we're growing, it pushes us back into grace because growth is uncomfortable and we need God's grace to sustain us and give us energy, which pushes us back into grace, which renews our experience of gratitude, which propels us into more growth, which pushes us back into grace, which increases our generosity and propels us into growth. That's the dynamic cycle of discipleship. That's the dynamic cycle of the gospel in our lives. That's how we grow in Christ. That's how we're transformed in the gospel. And service is a critical part of growing in grace. Service is a critical part of growth. So I want to call you to serve, but more than that, I want to call you to grow. 
Right? I don't want to use you to get ministry done. I want to use ministry to get you done. Right? I want to see you engaging and serving because it is good for you. That's where we're going in our text. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses, uh, Romans chapter 12. I love 8, but we're not going there. We're going 12. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. You can follow along as I read out loud. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of, his, of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in the proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we're going to spend the next three weeks in, in this passage, uh, and each week we're going to be dealing with something called uh, what, what Tim Keller calls a defeater belief. Um, a defeater belief is an unassumed belief, an un, excuse me, an unexamined belief that we hold that actually blocks us from growing and believing other things. Right? A defeater belief is, is something that we, we think is just so common sense. It's just so true that it doesn't require examination. And because it doesn't require examination, we don't examine it. And, and not examining it, um, it ends up blocking us from growing in by way of illustration. When I was in elementary school, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of, of early childhood memories, but I do have this one. Uh, and I don't know how much over time it's been... Um, you know how things change over time, but in my memory, it's almost a scene out of Stranger Things. I am, I am sitting in the lunchroom, right, and there's like a spotlight on me and me only. The rest of the room is dark. There's a, a malevolent force hovering over me in the form of a lunch lady. In front of me is a plastic tray with little compartments, and in one of the little compartments are slimy little cold green beans, and I am being forced to consume them. And so I, I came up with a brilliant plan. I would take it and put it in my mouth, that slimy little cold green bean, and I would swallow it with my warm milk like a pill. And I took them down that way. All right, that's my memory. I, how accurate is it? I don't know. Um, but I, I think uh, we were even upside down. Um, but, but here's the thing. I grew up with with a firm and deep conviction. I hate green beans. I hate green beans. Like, like that was just so, like, like people would be like, hey, you want some green beans? I would like almost wretch. I'd be like, no, are you kidding me? They're the grossest things on the face of the earth. Why would I ever want green beans? They're disgusting. I believe this so thoroughly, so completely, that I never examined uh, the, the belief itself, nor how it was affecting my behavior. Flash forward many, many, many years. I'm in Edwardsville. Someone invites me over to Wang Gang. Uh, they put this thing on the table, tempura green beans. 
they're, they're breaded and deep fried. They're like green French fries, right? And there's this dipping sauce, and I, I have this, this weird thought. I wonder if that would be good. I wonder, I wonder if I should try that. So I ate one, and I loved it. So I ate more, right? I ate a whole heap, right? And then, and then Lauren and I tried this thing called the keto diet, and you got to do weird food stuff. And, and so we, we start baking green beans in olive oil. We bring it out, and you put fresh sea salt and cracked pepper on that stuff. Man, that's like candy, right? So, so here's, I love green beans. I never knew it. Now, I, I still despise green beans out of a can, okay? I'm not a big fan of southern green beans that are crock-potted for 48 hours before you're, you're like done to mush, right? That's not my thing. I like them fresh. I like them crispy. I like them deep-fried. I like them baked. I like them salty. I love green beans. But here's what I want you to get. I had to question my assumption in order to grow in my experience. You catching that? I had to question my assumption in order to grow in my experience. Defeater beliefs. I think there are defeater beliefs that are keeping many of you from moving into active service in the church. There are things you believe that are actually blocking you from becoming um, engaged, serving, contributing members of our community. We're going to deal with one defeater belief each week. The defeater belief for this week is this. I am not uniquely qualified, and I am not needed. I am not uniquely qualified. People walk into a church like this, uh, they see systems, they see people wearing t-shirts, they see, they see people at different stations, and, and, and it's like everything's running well, and, and it seems like everybody is, is, has their role, and, 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 and I think sometimes people just have this assumption. I'm not uniquely qualified. What do I have to offer that someone else isn't already offering? Who am I? And secondly, out of that, they don't need me, right? I'm not uniquely gifted uh, or qualified, and I am not uniquely needed. Now, what's ironic is, is even though we are much more of an established church, I still think of us as a church plant. Um, I, still, I still think, and it's like, man, I'm so thankful we're not doing setup and teardown, but, but I still think like that. But I know that there are many, many people who have come since those days and they've only known us as an established church. And it is different when you're walking into something where it feels like everything's already taken care of, where the systems are already in place, where the leaders are already there. And that has an impact, right? People assume they don't need me. And what I want you to know is that this is not, that is not true, right? So here's the truth. The truth is that you are uniquely gifted, and I mean uniquely gifted. The word unique is, is not comparative. Unique means you're one of a kind. You are uniquely gifted. And we need you to use your gifts. Like as a body, we need you to use your gifts. And you need to use your gifts to grow in grace. Right? We need you to use your gifts, and you need to use your gifts. So we're going to be taking a look this morning at verses 6 through 8. Um, and we're going to work our way through this passage. We're going to begin at 6 through 8. Next week, we'll look at the middle. We'll work our way backwards, because I just thought that'd be fun. Um, but we're going to be looking at 6 through 8 this morning. In verses 6 through 8... Um, I want you to see two things. We're going to read these in a moment again, but, but I want you to, to see two things. Paul is telling us two important things in these three verses. One, every believer, every believer, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, you have been given a unique set of gifts by God. 
that make you uniquely valuable. Every believer has been given a unique set of gifts by God that make you uniquely valuable. And secondly, every believer needs to exercise those gifts to grow in them for the good of God's people and for the good of the person who has the gifts. Every person has to actually exercise those gifts, okay? So um, take a look again at uh, verses 6 through 8 because I want to just remind us of what's in these verses. It says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Every single one of us has been given a unique set of gifts by the Spirit of God. So let's just start here. What, what exactly are spiritual gifts? If, if, if you're from certain traditions, you may think of spiritual gifts in one way. I mean, different churches, different tribes talk about it in different ways. If you're a new believer, you may not even understand what spiritual gifts are. Um, verse 6 tells us what spiritual gifts are. Verse 6 tells us that spiritual gifts are, are, are natural gifts talents that have been empowered by the Spirit of God. They are gifts that we have that emerge from our experience of grace. Because we have received the grace of God in Christ, the Spirit of God gives us a set of of gifts, right? We receive grace, and that seed bears fruit in us, and part of that fruit is a unique set of, of gifts um, that we are, are to use. And, and these gifts are appropriate to grace, right? Grace is when we receive the unmerited love of God. It's the gift of God where God served us and met our need. So what kind of gifts would grow from that kind of seed? The kind of gifts that are designed to be given away, right? Every single gift listed in the New Testament makes no sense outside of the context of serving. They're all about serving. Because we received grace, that's the seed that is planted within us, God then equips us to move in grace and be a blessing to others, right? So the the seed bears an appropriate fruit. It's it's really amazing. It it is the, the gift of God to make us a gift to others. When we operate in the gifts that God has given us, God supernaturally enables us to become a gift to others in the same way that Christ was a gift to us. Now, not doing the same work that Christ did, but in the same flow of grace, right? Grace was given to us in love, and grace equips us to serve others in love. These gifts are, by their very definition, charismatic. And some of you just got weirded out a little bit. Um, so I've had people ask me, are you a charismatic church? What, what, is, what is, my answer is yeah. Yeah, we absolutely believe in the charismatic gifts. You know why? Because there's no other kind. There, there are no non-charismatic gifts. The, the word charismatic, the root is charis, which is grace. They're manifestations of grace. Every gift is charismatic. Every gift is a supernatural empowerment that comes from the Spirit of God. Some of those gifts are weirder than others. Okay, And just because you get weirded out by it doesn't mean that the Spirit can't give it. Right? So yeah, we're charismatic with seatbelts on. Right? 
We're not going to get all weirded out and put the Holy Spirit on stage, and, and right? We're going we're to keep Christ central, and we're going to operate in the empowerment of the Spirit to lift up Christ to the glory of the Father, just like we've been called to do. But every gift is, by its very nature, charismatic. It is a supernatural empowerment from the Spirit of God to serve others. In, uh, in, in Romans 12, we have a list of gifts. It's not a complete list. In fact, there is no complete list. All the lists in the New Testament differ from each other. And that's because they're all like lists of gifts like these, right? These are not a, this is not a comprehensive list of the spiritual gifts. This is, this is a, a, a sampling of spiritual gifts, right? The Spirit equips us to serve others, right? And, and I want you to notice that even in this list, the gift of prophecy and the gift of service, or what we call the gift of helps, are side by side. They're both considered charismatic. Paul makes no differentiation between the two, right? They, they, are, they are natural talents that have been supernaturally empowered. That leads to a natural question. Some of you are like, how is prophecy a natural talent? Well, knowing is a natural talent, but it is supernaturally empowered right? When God enables certain individuals to know things that others don't know, when, when God gives somebody something, whether it's a gift of knowledge uh, or, 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 or whatever you want to describe it, the Spirit of God gives somebody the ability to know things that others don't know for the purpose of serving the body, right? And, and somebody who has the gift of helps has a natural talent of service that's been supernaturally empowered, so they don't just get stuff done, they get people done. People who have the gift of service, they don't just accomplish tasks. They help people grow in the accomplishing of tasks. They become disciples of grace in the process. These are natural talents that are supernaturally empowered to help people grow in grace, to highlight the work of Christ and to glorify God. Um, every believer has received a unique and supernaturally empowered set of gifts for the purpose of service. So the question isn't whether or not you have gifts. The only question is whether or not you're going to use them. Believer in Christ, you have been. If you have received grace, that grace as a good seed has borne fruit, you have been given supernatural um, empowerments by God to be used for His glory and the good of, of His body. The question isn't whether you have it. The question is whether you will use it. And that's why Paul exhorts us. Man, this whole section is an exhortation where Paul's basically saying, get off your butt and get in the game, right? If you have these gifts, get active. If you have these gifts, start using them, right? In the list, he says, do you have the gift of prophecy? Well, push into your faith. Grow in your faith so that you can grow in your, your discernment and, and, and in your sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit. Grow. Do you have the gift of service? Then get serving. Not, not just getting things done, but growing in your ability to help people get things done. Growing in your ability to, 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 to not only move in service, but help others move in service and grow in the grace of service. Do you have the gift of teaching? Then find opportunities to teach. Don't crave a platform. Crave an opportunity. Don't look for an audience. Love the knowledge of the Word of God. Love the beauty of the message of the gospel. And then share that message. Communicate it and grow in your ability to communicate. 
you have the gift of exhortation? Well, get exhorting, right? Exhortation, learning, learning how to see how people are being self-defeating and then helping them overcome that weakness to grow into their strength. Exhortation is, isn't just calling out the bad stuff. Exhortation is helping people see where they themselves are getting in their way of achieving what they want to achieve or growing into what they want to grow into, right? It's mentoring. It's coaching. If you have the gift of exhortation, get mentoring, man. Get coaching. Get going, right? Don't wait for someone to come and ask you. Start using your gift, and people will then start gravitating towards you. You have the gift of giving? Grow in your generosity, right? Keep pushing into the generosity that your giving compels you to move toward. Don't rest on the generosity of yesterday, Keep pushing forward. Do you have the gift of leading? Then push forward with zeal. Don't wait for people to follow you. Find a problem and solve it. Right? Find a person and help them. If you have the gift of leading, don't wait for someone to give you a title. Start doing the work. Lead. Solve a problem. Help a person. Create a system. Lead. Do you have the gift of mercy? Then find the joy in the gospel that is going to equip you to walk into other people's sorrow and bless them in that quiet silence. See, Paul is saying you have gifts. The only question is whether or not you're going to push into them. Because by pushing into them, you both discover them and you develop them. Every gift has to be grown into. Every gift has to be strengthened. Every person has to learn how to operate in their strength. We have to grow in them, which means we have to use them. Now, at this point, I'm almost always asked a, a pretty simple but necessary question. How do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Right? If I'm supposed to use them, if I'm supposed to grow in them, how do I know what they are? Right? And, and, and there are helpful tools. Right? Can I, can I go take an online assessment? Sure. Right? Just kind of like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC or other personality assessments. There are online assessments that, that can help you discover uh, what, your, what your set of spiritual gifts are. Can you do a 360 evaluation, asking your friends and, and those that you work with, your spouse, your, your family, your boss, hey, what are my strengths? What are the things? Where do, people, where do you see people really being blessed through me? Can you do that? Absolutely. Those are really, really helpful tools. But you want to know the number one most effective, best way to discover your spiritual gifts? <laughs> Serve. Serve. Work contribute. Push into the discomfort of being a blessing to others, and you will discover your spiritual gifts. It is the absolute best way. Get off the bench and get some skin in the game, and you will discover where your strengths are. And they may surprise you. They may surprise you. It is in serving that you discover how you are uniquely equipped to serve, right? Uh, and it's often by fighting through the discomfort of serving that you discover your hidden strengths, these spiritual strengths that God has given you that, that you don't know are there, and, and they may not be what you expect, right? I have a very good friend who, um, growing up, he was an athlete, he was handsome, he was intelligent, right? He was that guy. Um, he was outgoing. Uh, he was the guy everybody wanted to be, right? And, and, um, and, and, and he was a believer, um, which is like the full package, right? The, the, the Tim Tebow's of the world, right? And, and, uh, um, and, and he thought um, 
growing up in the church and growing up in youth ministry and all these things, he's like, man, I'm just, I should be in ministry. I should be an evangelist. I should be a teacher because people follow me. People gravitate toward me. People want to, right? And, and so when he got into college, he moved into college ministry. And one of the things necessary in college ministry is, is fundraising. And, uh, and so he started going through the fundraising process. And, and it was through that process that he just started discovering some pretty strange things. One, where everybody else was struggling with fundraising, he actually loved it. Um, where, where they were having a difficult time with vision casting and, and selling their ideas, he really thrived on it. Like, like he loved that part of it. And um, he actually loved raising enough that he could just give it away. And so that actually ended up changing the course of his life. He actually went into sales. Like he's like, I'm uniquely gifted in sales and I love to be generous. And he's been very, very successful in sales and he's been very, very generous in his life. God has enriched him so that he can enrich others. This is a guy that is selfless in his gifting, right? It took him in an unexpected direction, and he has been a faithful, faithful member of every local church he's been part of. In fact, he was foundational in helping start Trailhead Church. Um, Unlike my friend, I grew up super awkward with deep and painful social anxiety. Like, that's a real thing. Um, I, I grew up in an, in an environment that, that created a lot of instability. And, uh, and as a result, we moved a lot. And, and I remember like literally walking down the street and if there were people walking toward me, I would, I would cross the street because I was, I was afraid of any kind of human interaction. Um, I hid in my house. Um, I, I, I avoided spaces with people. Um, when I got to a new school, uh, it took me a long time to make friends. And when I did, man, I might end up with one, maybe two. Um, that I gravitated toward, and then there was a broader circle that we were part of, but I didn't reach out to or make connections with any of those people because of my deep social anxiety. I was, I was riddled with fear, and I was, I was held captive to my anxiety. Um, uh, my freshman year, um, I become a, a, of college, I, I become a believer, and uh, uh, who knew that, that God's gifts um, would lead me uh, to have to face my anxiety, right? Like the gift of teaching, that, that kind of requires you to be in front of people. It, uh, it forces you to have confidence. It requires you to be vulnerable uh, in ways that can be very revealing and, um, and uncomfortable, right? Um, how did I know I had the gift of teaching? Where did that, where did that, someday I just woke up and I'm like, oh, I got the gift of teaching. This is perfect. I'm now full of absolute confidence and and I have all insight and wisdom. Um, not a chance. You know what happened is I just started serving. I was a believer, and, and I was so lit up with the gospel that I just started serving. Like, literally, I, I did my ministry in Dubuque, Iowa, at one of their festivals, which really is just a bunch of farm people drunk, blaring. It was, it was you too, because I loved the music. Uh, it was, it was, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Remember, literally, I remember that. And I'm miming, right, in front of all these drunk people. That was not my gift. I discovered that was not my gift. Um, that, that is not where I, where I thrived. But, but here's the thing. I found opportunities, right? I, I, when there was a youth group in town that didn't have a leader, I stepped in. When there was a, a soup ministry that, that I would go serve in the soup kitchen and do the homeless shelter. And, and what I found was I started gravitating toward these teaching positions. I was, I was learning so much, and I was so lit up by what I was learning. I was, I was just excited to share what I was learning. And what I found was that people, when I shared what I was learning, they got excited to hear it. 
And I started getting asked more and more to start sharing what I was learning, to start teaching. And, 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 and as I was stumbling my way forward, I just kind of stumbled into the realization, this is one of the areas that God has gifted me, right? To, to learn and to share what I'm learning, to be passionate about growing myself and passionate about helping other people grow. Now, you guys, I had to grow in that gift. I was really bad. <laughs> I mean, I was really bad. I gave some bad messages. I, I, I made some homeless people suffer, um, right? I mean, I was info dump man. I mean, everything I learned, I wanted to share it all, right? I'd talk for three hours if you gave me the opportunity. I still talk too long. Um, but I had to grow in it. And even in the growth, it doesn't mean that God took away the social anxiety, right? I share this story. It's embarrassing. It's not it doesn't produce shame for me, but it is embarrassing, and it's kind of funny. Um, but when I started Trailhead, I had a dream. And, uh, and in this dream, uh, Darren Patrick, who was my pastor, my sending pastor, the one that sent me out to start a church, uh, invited me up, and he, gave a, he was standing in his pulpit, and he gave a warm welcome, and, and hey, Steve Mizell's going to come and speak. And I, and I remember stepping up in my dream, and it's this huge auditorium full of people that are talking and laughing and distracted. And I'm talking, but my voice isn't amplified, so nobody can hear me. And the pulpit literally is this tall, <laughs> and I can barely see over the top. Now, it doesn't take somebody with a gift of discernment to know what that dream's about, right? It's kind of the same dream of, that you had when when suddenly you realize you're in the middle of class and you're standing there in your underwear. It's, it's, it's a social anxiety dream. It's a dream about, man, what happens if I'm exposed? What, what happens if people figure out I'm not who, who they think I am? What happens if, right? So I still struggle with this stuff. I have to continue to push by faith into the courage that equips me to, to continue to be vulnerable and open in, in what I'm learning so that others can also learn and grow, right? That, that's a spiritual gift I've had to wrestle with to grow in every step of the way. I've needed grace to grow in my gift. But in using my gift, other people have been blessed, and in using my gift, I have grown more than I can explain or describe. The gift of the Spirit will take you off guard. One more story. Ten years ago, and this is like literally ten, about a decade ago, I would have sworn, and I think I did, that of all the gifts in the inventory of spiritual gifts, the one gift I knew I absolutely didn't have was the gift of mercy, right? I'm like, I'm like the person who will coach you for a minute and then I'm out. Never ask me, like, if you want the gift of mercy, you go visit Lauren, right? She's got it, not, not me. All right, so here's what I've learned over the last 10 years. I, I have had the gift of mercy. It's been there and it is there, right? Because I had empathy. I had empathy off the charts. I could walk into a room and I could sense when someone was lonely or hurt or sad. I could, I could just have a, a, like this radar that allowed me to, to pick up on the emotional um, mood, not only of a room, but of an individual in that room. What I lacked was the emotional maturity and strength necessary to sit with them in their silence to be a comfort to them. What I lacked was the joy that equipped me to enter into that space of sorrow and give them the gift of presence because I couldn't give that gift to myself yet. I had to grow in grace to learn how to sit in sorrow, which has allowed me to grow in the gift of mercy. I still don't think it's my number one gift, <laughs> but it's in the battery. It's there. I would have never guessed that. I've had to continue to push into growth to discover the gifts that God has given me. Some of you are getting a little bit nervous at this point. You're like, dude, every illustration you're giving is of people getting gifts they don't want. 
uh, and are scared of. Is, is God going to give me a gift that terrifies me? Maybe. How's that for comforting? Maybe. But I will tell you this, he will never give you a gift you don't want to use. He absolutely will not give you a gift that you do not want to use. You know why? Because when you use that gift, others are blessed and you are enriched. Even if it scares you. Even if it's hard for you. Even if it challenges you. Even if it humbles you. Even if, even if, even if you, it makes you feel inadequate and scared. When you are operating in the supernaturally empowered talent that God has given you, God is the one that shows up, not you. And the results supersede whatever it is you're bringing to the table. God does things through you that are greater than the things that you're doing. People are blessed and you are enriched. Paul is saying, your gift, whatever it is, needs to be used to be discovered. It needs to be used to be grown, right? Can you imagine an athlete sitting down before they've ever gone into any athletics and taking an online survey to try to figure out which branch of athletics they're going to be most talented in? Does that even make sense? The only way an athlete discovers their strength is by actually getting out there and testing their strength. That's how they discover what they're good in. That's how they discover where they're, where they're going to have a latent ability that they haven't discovered that they can develop. You've got to be serving to discover how God has gifted you for service. So it has to begin with a desire to grow. It has to begin with a desire that says, man, God, you have given me a gift to serve and bless others, and I know I will grow in the experience of grace when I operate in that gift. I want to be a blessing. Not I want a platform. Not I want a title. Not I want to be noticed. Not I want to be important. It has to begin with a very, very humble urge that says, I want to be a blessing. I want to be, in the same way, God, you have blessed me, I want to be a blessing. And when you start with that motivation and you start serving, you will discover at least the beginning of your gift set. So this week's defeater belief, I am not uniquely qualified and I am not needed, is simply not true. You are uniquely equipped. The gifts that you've been given are unique to you. Your personality, your experience, your wiring, you are the only you. And God did that intentionally because you bring something unique and special to the body. And whatever it is you bring, we need. God put you here for a purpose. And what you bring is a value to us. We need you to discover your gifts and we need you to grow in them. And as you do, we will be blessed along with you. This is why consumer Christianity is so deadly to the growth of grace. You guys understand Christ, consumer Christianity. That is, that is what's broadly um, sold in Western Christianity. This idea that we show up, we get our tanks filled, we get our encouragement bucket filled, we, we, we get entertained, we get distracted, um, we show up, we consume and then we leave and critique and sometimes review. We might leave a tip on the way out the door. That is absolutely deadly to your growth in grace. The three G's demand that you get involved. Grace, gratitude, growth. We got to engage the growth that pushes us back into grace, which reawakens our gratitude that propels us even into more growth. That's how we discover our strengths. That's how we discover our joy. That's how we discover our freedom in Christ. 
So we need you to serve. Um, I want to highlight a way to do that. Um, there is a, uh, uh, I'm going to put a screenshot up. This is uh, what you'll see on your phone. If you go to Trailhead Online and just pull down the menu bar, there's a big button right there called Serve. That's going to take you to a job board. That's going to give you a ton of different ways that you can plug in and serve. Okay? If you go on your web, uh, you won't have to pull down the drop-down menu. It'll be right on the top. Big block. Serve. Okay? It's trailheadonline.org. Well, Steve, I don't know how to get involved. Steve, I'm not sure what the needs are. Steve, I'm not sure how to contribute. Steve, I'm not... Okay, it's right there. You're like, I, I don't do Wi-Fi. Great. Go to Connection Point. Okay? There's a table in the lobby. Just go to Connection Point. We'll help you plug in. But seriously, y'all, let's, let's get skin in the game. Let's do this together. Let's treat this as a family, not as a consumeristic event. We need you, and you need us. All right, let me close this in a word of prayer, and uh, we're going to share communion in a moment. Um, yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift of your Son. For God so loved that he gave And your gift to us cost you everything. Jesus came and lived the life we should have lived so that he could die the death we deserve to die, so that we could be forgiven and made new, so we could have hope in a hopeless situation, so we could be blessed in ways we could never earn or claim on our own. Man, we thank you for that incredible gift, and I pray that you will awaken within us a genuine sense of gratitude for that grace. And as we grow grateful for that grace, as we take joy in the giver and we are humbled by that gift, Lord, would you free us to start having a desire to serve, to love others even as we have been loved, to move out that others might be blessed. Lord, there are people in this room that have gifts that are amazing. They haven't just, they haven't been discovered yet. They haven't been unearthed yet. They, they haven't been engaged yet. Lord, help us discover the gifts you've given us. We know, Lord, that that discovering grace is a never-ending, amazing adventure. And discovering the way you've wired us to bless others challenges us, humbles us, frees us, and blesses us. Lord, may we be a people rich in generosity, the generosity of service. May we be a people rich in grace, that propels us out to be a blessing to others. Lord, it's your church. We are your people. You are the head and we are your body. Help us to operate as we've been designed to operate. You guys take a few minutes and pray. We'll share communion in a moment.